0: You're listening to a Brain Stew Fresh Fright Review. (laughs) (laughs)
1: creeps and welcome to another brand new epic film guys fresh fright review i'm justin I'm jeremy this week on the show we're talking about a little movie a tiny little movie with a monstrous main character that everybody is talking about right now taking the united states by storm godzilla minus one motherfucker this is a massive movie We just could not pass up the chance to talk about it. Jeremy, I didn't even know you were going to see it. And you you reached out to me, I think this last weekend. You were like, dude, I'm seeing fucking Godzilla. And I was like, we have to review it. You know, I mean, uh, I know you're not the biggest Godzilla guy. I'm a fan, but I'm by no means an expert or anything like that. But this movie right now, uh, as of this recording, um, has broken some records Uh, as of this last Monday. It was number one at the box office and that's the first time a Japanese-made film has been number one at the box office in 19 years. Um, As of right this moment, it has overtaken Oppenheimer as the highest rated movie by fans on IMDb. I mean, this thing is just like blowing up. It was supposed to be a very small, like one week engagement at the theater, IMAX you know, special event cinemas in, in large format. And now they're actually extending its stay to as December fourteenth. As they should. Yeah, as they should. So so dude, I gotta ask you first and foremost, we'll get into the movie itself, but um you not being the biggest dude. Godzilla guy, what what drew I, you to saying like I'm I have to see this movie. Yeah,
0: I generally am kind of meh on Godzilla typically. Like I've seen, you know, the past several uh American, like the Gareth Evans one, and uh, different people. Uh, that was his name, right? Gareth Evans.
1: Gareth Edwards.
0: Edwards. Yeah, there you go. I, G- Gareth E. There you go.
1: I uh, <laughs> <laughs> the monster verse. Yeah. yeah,
0: I saw the you know the one with Bryan Cranston, and I've seen I've seen the Godzilla and King Kong movies and shit like that, and and I've seen some other Godzilla films as well. But I've never been blown away by one of these films, but and gone, man, I love this thing. Uh, it's not even the nineteen ninety eight role in Emmerich movie dude,
1: with Matthew Broadway. I've
0: tried I have I've never been able to even get through that one and I've tried several times. Aww. It's Aww. it's I mean, to each their own. I know that these movies are you know, they, they have like hardcore fans and I'm not I've never been a, a Godzilla opposer, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm I've never been like, oh fuck those movies. They've just Not my cup of tea, typically. Like, just they just don't do. You like monsters,
1: though. You, you like. I love, dude. I love
0: Cloverfield, which is like basically like, here is what would happen in New York City if a Godzilla type creature came through, right? Yeah. Like, I love Cloverfield like so so much, but Godzilla has just never done it for me. And uh, much like Terrifier two last year, I had no plans on going to see Godzilla minus one. Same way that I had no plans to go see Terrifier two but word of mouth. People were just singing praise of this thing, that this is the scariest version of the character ever, that it's more in line with a horror film than, you know, a popcorn, big-budget monster that's destroying a town. Like, you know, the reviews is that this thing was stellar and unbelievable and unlike any Godzilla movie ever. Hearing that they made the character truly terrifying, is honestly and and people just saying how much it blew them away is honestly why I went to go see it because for me the Godzilla films that I've seen and I've seen a handful of them it's always just big monster you know attacking to where they're uh, t- for me it's never been scary it's never been like holy no
1: fuck. yeah I get I tot I totally get your point man I mean I think uh, as someone that's seen quite a few and I'm a big fan of Gareth's Godzilla movie uh, in terms of you know, how the character is depicted. There's some scary stuff there, but I, I have n- I've never either seen a Godzilla movie where I was legitimately terrified in the way that I was when I watched this version of the character. And they went out of their way. We'll get into that, that they went specifically out of their way, like, listen, you know, he, there's been cute Godzilla, there's been fun Godzilla, there's been heroic Godzilla. We need to get back to, like, what this thing originally meant, and what it originally meant was terror, absolute fucking terror like when audiences watched the original in the 50s it was like this was a extremely horrific thing for them to view it blew audiences away and then of course we americanized it and blah 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 blah. And history is history we're not going to do a history lesson on godzilla maybe another i don't
0: think either one of us are uh accredited enough in godzilla to do that
1: i haven't done my my fucking homework here listen my dog ate it (laughs) um but talking about this one though it's it's insane to see how well it's doing. So I already anticipated on seeing this. You know, working at Alamo Drafthouse, I knew we would be screening it, but I wanted to see it a day early at the fan event. Did not want to travel super far, so I actually went and saw something called
0: uh,
1: in a cinema called Screen X by yeah. Regal. Have you ever heard of Screen X before?
0: No, never. So
1: Screen X is where the entire into- like both sides, your right and left side of the theater, have screens on it, and the front. So oh, it's, shit. like, all the okay, way around yeah, 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 you yeah. almost. Um, and I was hoping it would be cool, because I love, you know, for me, you know, large-format theaters like IMAX, Dolby, and shit. I'm all about it. Uh, this felt more gimmicky. I mean, you saw some cool stuff, like, especially all the a lot of the movie takes place on the water. You'd see water on both sides of you and stuff, but I felt like it was more of a distraction than anything that added to the experience of the film itself. Sure. Uh, and it never totally lined up with the, the screen in the middle, so... It was kind of strange, so uh, if you're, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going to think about going to check it out, maybe it's for you. It wasn't for me. It was a one and done, but I went to that because that was the closest thing to me because where I live currently, there, our local Alamo in Winchester that I don't work at does not have a large format theater, and I'm like, I want to hear and see Godzilla on the biggest thing I possibly can, so that's what I did. I saw it at a Screen X And uh, I was, you know, definitely not disappointed in in the experience overall because I got to see the movie. Uh, There was like probably seven other people in the theater, which is why I'm so surprised that it's doing so well. But at the same time, I'm not because the movie's so fucking good. And like you said, by the time I talked to you about it, it had been like three days since I'd seen it. And word of mouth had grew and grew, especially on Twitter. I mean, you know, I tweeted about it two hours after i saw it my tweet the following day almost had a thousand likes on it that quickly and you could see that people were just like building up hype for this thing and again it deserves it it's by far one of the best movies of the year and you know technically we review mostly horror and i think i'm sure you would agree that this falls in line with that category enough for us to cover it i mean it's a fucking oh, absolutely. Abs- i
0: mean it's To me, this is absolutely a horror film, and if anything, honestly, Japan's answer to Jaws. Honestly, there's, oh, there's sure. so many uh, Jaws homages in this oh, movie. Oh,
1: dude. 100% director Takashi Yamazaki had said uh, in interviews that Jaws was, a me- aside from a couple other, you know, certain installments of Godzilla films that he loved. Jaws was one of his biggest inspirations. So to me, I kind of viewed this almost like it felt like Dunkirk, like a Christopher Nolan war movie, but with a giant
0: monster. Yeah, dude. Oh, dude.
1: Because it was done in the most realistic fashion possible where that shit felt really real and it was scary within the moment. Like you were actually there experiencing it. Oh,
0: for sure. I mean, like I said, this this thing to me really is a horror film uh, because... We're witnessing a giant monster just ravage people and massacre entire towns and places and people. Uh, The plot of this movie is post-war Japan is at its lowest point when a new crisis emerges in the form of a giant monster baptized in the horrific power of the atomic bomb.
1: You beat me on that IMDb description. By I, the sure, way. Did. I <laughs>
0: sure did. I sure did.
1: You know, um, and of course, this is post World War II, so the movie has political stuff to say, and I'm glad that it does. I mean, Godzilla was birthed originally in the '50s as a response to the war, um, and being, uh, you know, uh, try to be light, say this lightly, but a giant bomb being dropped on Japan, and this movie actually deals with it firsthand. Um, but the movie follows our, our main character here and Kiyoshi and he's a former Kamikaze pilot. And the first time we, we meet this character, he is like trying to get away from duty. Like he does not want, he doesn't want to die and his, he doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to end his own life in Japan. We know honor is a huge thing. Um, but what he does is he lands his plane, um, On Odo Island where, you know, he's basically saying there's something wrong with his plane. He needs it to be repaired. Just stalling, not knowing what to do as any normal person would. I mean, when you when you think about what kamikaze pilots were required to do back then, I mean, you're basically just told, go, go kill yourself. Yep. You know, your your duty is to go and your own life in a blaze
0: of glory, literally.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I know. As I said, the the Japanese have a huge thing for honor, which I respect, but back then it was a, a terrifying thing to deal with. So he lands here, and they, 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 they tell him, like, you know, we can't figure out what's wrong with your plane at all, and they start, you know, catching the drift that, he, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Yep. And that night, you know, a dinosaur-like creature, Godzilla, attacks the island, which... There's already this lore, there's this mystique, there's this legend of Godzilla that the Islanders already they've mentioned. so they've already been told about this thing. And what I love about this, Jeremy, is I don't remember the last Godzilla movie that I saw, or if I have, where we see the character actually grow. right. So in the beginning scene here, you know, that takes place uh, 1945 during the world, World War II, rather. He's almost the size of, like, a large T-Rex,
0: a little bit bigger than that. Exact perfect uh, example, dude, because I was going to say, he was roughly the size of a fucking T-Rex. And, man, that first scene with Godzilla was absolutely terrifying, because it was at night, and it was the way that they lit Godzilla, and they really, like, dude, the shadows in nighttime really amplified the horrific introduction of this, this character in this movie. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Honestly, it's my favorite scene in the entire movie.
1: <laughs> I had a feeling that it would be, um, but I was taken aback because also, you know, I had no clue what I was in for. Um, I saw a few blurbs about the movie before I watched it, but I did not read any reviews. I only saw the one trailer and I didn't expect to see him that soon. I was like, holy shit, we're seeing Godzilla already. But I was like, oh, man, he's, like, small. He's, like, very agile. And, like, yeah. you know, he's just fucking shit up on that island. And and I think, you know, we already have this character that's questioning his decisions. Because, you know, he's basically evading duty, which is dishonorable. And he's landing here, and there's a moment where the rest of the soldiers... Oh, by the island,
0: way, uh, this is spoiler <laughs> spoiler, spoiler, oh, oh, spoiler.
1: Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you. Um, thank you. Because anyone that listens to this, you need to go see the movie right now. If you have the chance, right fucking you now. God damn it. Right, goddamn now. <laughs> but so we we have this moment where, uh, uh, Kiyoshi is given this opportunity. Like, yo, listen, jump in your plane, dude. You have the most powerful weapon on this island yeah. in your plane. And he jumps in the plane and you you as an audience member, you're like, Okay, shoot Godzilla. Even though you love Godzilla, you're like, Godzilla's badass. You want to see him shoot him, he does not shoot. Uh-huh. And you're like, why isn't he why isn't he shooting Godzilla? Because he he um, even
0: said, his character even said, What if it doesn't work? What if it just makes it angrier? Yeah. And exactly. so he's again, he's already, you know, struggled with the fact he's like, I don't want to be a kamikaze pilot, because I don't want to fucking die. He's got parents at home that he wants to get back to. He's got family that he loves. Yeah. So the other characters on this island are like. Urging him go. Like you're the only one who's qualified to shoot that gun. Go. So he he runs and he gets in, in the, the fighter jet. And he's got the gun pointed at Godzilla perfectly. But he won't take the shot in fear. That it will result in his own death. Because it's not going to work against this ginormous monster.
1: So, once again, not only questioning himself, but just a, a scared person. And I mean, this is a natural thing to feel is that fear, like, especially thinking about, you know, taking your own life for maybe a war you don't even necessarily believe in. And then, of course, here we have a situation where, like, well, what if I shoot this fucking thing? And he literally just stomps me. Like, I mean, this scene is handled fairly realistically because. They're reacting like they've never seen anything like this before. If You actually did see something like this in front of you? How would you react? You'd be like, dude, I swear to God, I'd probably pass out. I would legitimately probably just, you know. Oh, I'd die. I'd die right there. My heart would stop.
0: Like, that's it. I'm out. I'm out.
1: So we see that Godzilla basically ends the life of every single person on this island except for... Uh, Kyoshi and then we have, you know, the the main mechanic on the island, um, which we'll we see later in the movie, we'll get to that. And you know, when Kyoshi goes back to Japan, you know, after the war is over, he's mistreated. And everybody hates him. They're like, wait a minute.
0: They're like, wait a minute. You were a kamikaze pilot. What are you doing here? And then people immediately know you fucking chickened out. Like, you abandoned your duty. So, I mean, like, people are... He, he's got a neighbor that just uh, absolutely fucking hates him. Uh, Su, uh, Sumiko, his his neighbor, that's like, you fucking chicken. Like, you didn't do your job. And because you didn't do your job, our town is destroyed.
1: Yeah. And the one thing I have to say right off the bat in terms of the presentation of this era is it was done absolutely perfectly. Everyone's look in terms of their facial, everything, like the the clothing, the costumes, the location, it all felt so legitimate. It all felt so genuine. I literally felt like I was there in the 1940s, in Japan and experiencing this firsthand, which is something I can't say for any other Godzilla movie that I've ever watched. Yeah. Now, granted, you know, this is not... People had asked, you know, on social media, does this connect to Shin Godzilla? Is this uh, a sequel to the original? This actually takes place before the original Godzilla. Minus one.
0: That is that where yeah, the title so comes from?
1: Yeah, yeah, it, but also I have to say... Uh, Never been a fan of that title. Yeah. It's kind of confusing. But you know what the thing is, though, Jeremy? As you know from someone that has played in bands and you know, you know, band names and stuff. If a band name is memorable, it doesn't matter if it's stupid or makes yep. sense. Like people Limp will remember it. Biscuit. <laughs> One of our favorite bands. Yep. And there it is. Um, but so this character very quickly is thrown into another situation, um, you know, where we've. We, People are scrambling. People are just are trying to eat. People are trying to find work. And, of course, his home is in shambles. And then he meets this girl who has a baby that she's taken in, and he's kind of stuck with it for a little bit. And they connect, and they end up becoming, uh, I guess, uh, what's the word for it? Like, they're not together, but they're like kind of like... They're playing house. Uh, they're playing house. Yeah, playing house. You know, like, there's no romance there or you know it doesn't seem like they both have feelings really interested yeah
0: they both have feelings for each other but right neither one of them are really willing to make a move on that but yet they're literally playing house together uh you know he's going out and he's he's providing for the family he's working to get money because now they have become a family even though there's at this point no emotional or uh romantic relationship between them you know uh, Kiyoshi is is very much playing the father and the husband in this scenario, and he's out and he's he's earning a living. Which dude his his job that he takes on to get money, as <laughs> as he's raising a surrogate daughter and and playing house husband uh, to uh, Noriko, is so during the war they had laid these mines these bombs under the water and so basically he takes on another dangerous job so it's like oh yeah i'm too afraid to to be a kamikaze pilot and die but now in order to get money in post-war japan where it's like devastating poverty now he's going and he's collecting these mines these bombs out of the ocean
1: yeah one of the funniest things about that jeremy is that when he explains the job to her, because was pissed, she's like, what? That's dangerous. And he's like, no, th- there's no way they would give me this job if it was that dangerous. It's going to be a, a, a highly trained vessel of specialists. And then the next scene, he shows up. It's so funny. Everyone laughs because it's like this tiny piece of shit yep. boat <laughs> all made out of wood. And he's like, what's this? <laughs> you know, and a bunch of, you know, a bunch of ragtag Group of people that look like they're a bunch of misfits. Dude, can
0: can um, we they... talk about how the scientist that's that's working uh uh with them to collect the bombs? He looks so much like Data from Goonies now. Like I don't know if you felt he that. Does. I don't know if you felt like that when you were watching it, but it was almost jarring how much he looks uh, like the actor that plays Data from Goonies. Well.
1: If anything, I have to say his presentation in terms of his look is extremely on the nose. He has that wild like super curly hair, yeah. the really big round like nerdy doctor glasses yeah. and stuff. It felt like a mix of Doc Brown and, you know, but he had comedic wit though. He did. I mean, and, and the character is written extremely well. So That's the good. thing about this this movie that I have to say because Takashi Yamazaki not only directed it, he wrote the fucking thing. And he wrote it during COVID, which is why there's a lot of parallels there we'll get to. I, I would like to say um,
0: real quick, not only did he write it, but he wrote the fuck out of this movie. He wrote, no, man, you're you're totally correct there. He wrote the fuck
1: out of this thing. I mean, there's a reason why so many people are talking about it and why we're raving about it so far. Uh, I think this movie, and and I'll, I'll, I'll give an example. Um, you saw it with a group of people, but I took my wife, Danielle. Y'all listening, that have been listening for a while, you all, you've all you heard of her name before. Um, she's watched plenty of Godzilla movies with me, but she's never totally connected to it in the way that I have. She walked out of this movie and was like, that's one of my favorite movies that I've watched this year. dude." I- and that just goes to Ugh. show. Everyone can watch this thing and relate. She was. She said to me, Jeremy, she turned to me and said, Godzilla looked fucking badass in this. Terrifying. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> you know, Terrifying. like if, if my wife's saying that, I was like, I think this again and very much so it's something that everyone can enjoy and connect with because the characters are relatable they're well written they're beautifully performed they have amazing actors behind them giving great performances uh, you know this isn't a silly movie it's it's played straight but there is there are moments rather of you know levity where there's lighter stuff and there's jokes but yeah, In the end, it's pretty
0: serious shit. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, It's, it's dark, and uh, I don't know if you said it or if somebody else said it to me in a previous conversation, but this movie was like if Christopher Nolan was given $300 million and told to go make a war movie, and all of a sudden he was like, at the last second, was like, I'm going to put a giant monster in this. And everything is played so straight and works yeah, so... Yeah, that's what I said in the opening of the episode. So it was... done, du- <laughs> Dude, I never saw Dunkirk. Is that a Christopher Nolan movie? Yes. Oh, it there is. we go. Yes, it uh, is. We run a movie yep. podcast. I'm like, Dunkirk was Christopher Nolan. You could tell. Horror movies, action movies, guys. But uh,
1: Yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah, well, no, I mean... Dude, it, it's... It's one of his best movies, but no, it, 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 the way that this was presented, though to your point is it felt like that or a a saving private 100 or perfect a black hawk down or like a real war movie you know just that there's a monster in it and i think that's what differentiates this in comparison to everything else we've seen when it comes to godzilla because everything else is like godzilla first human second but here we had human characters that we connected with in this situation that you love the war was the backdrop you love them you connect to them you follow them throughout the movie this is a movie where yeah you want to see godzilla fuck shit up and you do in the biggest way possible but in the end you're like you really care about these characters and that's how you know you're watching a good fucking
0: movie what what i really you, you know yeah, what i really loved about this movie as well is that they could have jammed godzilla in our face, down our throats, like it's been done in several of these movies. Going back to the Jaws parallel is... There it is, there it is. We get Godzilla in the moments of this story where it's just really important and really special, and it's not just monster, 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 human story, monster, 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 human story, like a lot of these Godzilla movies. Dude, every single... Godzilla scene and they make you fucking wait for it and work for it and want it so fucking bad every Godzilla scene that we get is different and special and unique and terrifying Uh oh man like and when it hits man when it hits
1: you're so ready for it your anticipation yes. is so high that it, it blows you out of the water for example as you just brought up uh kiyoshi's job is cleaning up mines and it's a couple years after he originally saw godzilla in 1945 it's now 1947 and his crew is basically tasked like they're told like you got to stop this thing approaching japan and of course they send out this tiny little fucking mine boat or whatever waiting for larger vessels to arrive to assist and they run into godzilla and this scene right here is a perfect example of the Jaws influence because it is one of my favorite scenes of the movie. We have Godzilla poking his fucking head out of the water and it looks, dude, so you, it looks so scary. You looks so scary. This movie again reported box off or excuse me, rather reported budget. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, reported budget, fifteen million. I can't believe. He looks this fucking good on a budget of $15 million.
0: Dude,
1: the scene where they're like Wasn't
0: that how much it cost to make Thanksgiving? Was 15 million if I'm not mistaken? Uh,
1: Thanksgiving cost over 20. Holy shit. I'm pretty shit. sure it was like 20.
0: So Thanksgiving I mean, cost I, more money listen, than than Godzilla minus uh, one.
1: Again, I'm going by I'm going by what I'm seeing on the internet. This may be incorrect, but what I'm seeing so far is that the budget for Godzilla Minus One was around $15 million. My point on that is all the Godzilla stuff looks amazing. And this scene in particular with him coming out of the water and him like gliding behind them and chasing them with his mouth wide open, it looked practical. And there hasn't been any additional interviews with anyone since The movies come out that I've been able to find in terms of the effects, so I'm led to believe, Jeremy, that all of this was done CG because that's what they said. They didn't do anything practically. And wow, the old Godzilla movies, you'd always get some practical shots. Yeah, guy guy in a suit. People like people were pissed that you know they found out you're not even going to give me one you know scene with the guy in a suit. There's no guy in a suit in this. But this scene with Godzilla with his mouth open, if I could put it in the episode so people could see it, I would. It looks so fucking real, his teeth and his mouth, that I was so beyond impressed by it. I turned to Danielle, I was like, I can't believe I can't believe this. Yeah. It just looks so fucking real. It looks like a real animal, a real thing coming out of the ocean. And of course, you know, getting back to the scene itself. You mean they didn't hire? He-
0: a huge fucking monster?
1: <laughs> they didn't hire the
0: real Godzilla? They
1: didn't, like, go down to the bottom of the ocean and be like, dude, wake up. We need you for a movie. Hey,
0: <laughs> a couple, couple just different takes per scene. You'll be all right.
1: <laughs> I mean, just, uh, just watching the scene, I was just blown out of the fucking water. Of course, they try to put a mine in Godzilla's mouth. They do. They try to see if they can fucking make any dent in him at all. They blow it up in his mouth. They think they're big deal for it because, like, yeah, we got him. And, of course, it does absolutely Dude, nothing but just piss him the off. The
0: atomic regeneration capabilities of Godzilla, very, very rad-looking. Let's just say that.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean... Indestructible. We see we, we see him grow. We see him grow and grow. And, we, of course, when we see him blow up, he's like Wolverine, man you know he's like no and the way it looks the way they designed it to kind of like you see is it's like burning and then like skin grafting over his yep. own scales and shit it just looked so cool it was a great visual um we see that throughout the movie and then of course moving on from this this is there's an ongoing theme here where it's like government knows about something doesn't want to do anything about it and you know early on Yamazaki had said that he was writing this during the pandemic. Um, to quote him exactly, he, he said it was right
0: in the middle. Do you know of, if he was hired to to do this or was this something that he wrote to pitch?
1: Um, no, he actually got this job because he did. Um, I'd have to look it up. He did something um, early on. It was like a Godzilla piece because he was uh, such a big fan or something. Um, I don't have it in front of me, so ladies and gentlemen, you'll have to excuse me, but there was something he pitched because it, it people wanted to see what he would do with Godzilla. I, I know I'm going to fuck that up, but then it turned into him actually being the next guy to make a Godzilla cool. movie. So yeah, I don't, I don't have all the descriptive that's okay. information, It'd in be front right. of me. but yeah, so, th- so that's what it was, but so he wrote the movie during COVID-19 and he said it was right in the middle of the pandemic. When he first started writing the script, and in those early first few weeks, he had that sense like, hey, the government's not doing anything about this. So this is going to be up to us. So that was the whole attitude in the movie, which I loved. Like, just people, citizens coming together like, you know what, our government's not going to fucking do anything about this. We're going to take this into our own hands. And this happens... Much later in the movie. But before we get to that point, you know, we have, I would dare say, the most horrific Godzilla scene in the entire fucking movie. Because shortly after the scene in the water, they know Godzilla is coming back. And we know that Noriko is working in this town. She, she, you know, she told Kyochi that she wanted to start working for herself And he's been doing all the work on his own, and she wanted to help support herself and baby Akiko. And then, of course, Godzilla attacks the town of Ginza, where Enrico works. And this scene, for me, Jeremy, was the most horrific of the movie. Um, All taking place during the day. But it's also classic Godzilla where you see tanks trying to neutralize him and he's at his largest now. He's fucking massive with huge thunder thighs and a huge-ass whipping tail. And he kills tens of thousands in this scene. And like you said, spoiler alert earlier on, we're led to believe during this scene, you know, Kyochi comes in last minute, thinks he's saving Noriko. We get a great sequence here where Godzilla picks up the train that she's in riding home and he fucking bites right into it and she's hanging out of it and he's just like fuck this thing and shucks it over to the side and um she ends up escaping but as Godzilla gets pissed off he's like no fuck this shit dude um you're gonna try to engage me he builds himself up and he fires his heat Ray and he decimates the entire town killing so many people and I mean for me like this is the most stoic scene in the movie you're like as a fan like this is badass this is cool but you're like whoa emotionally like it hits pretty hard it's pretty serious
0: yeah it uh it showed his total power in this scene and it it also shows uh, a sense of total hopelessness because how do yeah. you how do you combat that? How do you fight that? And that's when the you know the the townspeople go, we're gonna take this into our own hands, and they start devising a plan. And once again, the Jaws parallel. There's a town meeting, and it's like, well, how do we do it, right? Yeah, and it's you know, basically they want to get Jaws. Or Jaws. They want to get uh, Godzilla. <laughs> same, same. They want to get
1: Bruce the Shark.
0: Bruce the Shark, I mean, same same thing. So they want to get Godzilla basically on this inflatable raft that they'll be able to plummet to the bottom of the ocean so quickly and so rapidly that even though Godzilla came from the bottom of the ocean, the speed that he would travel, they believe, could possibly... And the pressure, and The pressure, yeah, and the pressure, the pressure yeah. they think, could possibly kill him. So they, they devise this plan, and then there's a couple backup plans of if this doesn't work, that's what we're going to do. And it has all of these these pieces that everything has to work perfectly, and they still don't know. It's not a definitive, like, here's what we do, and we'll kill the, the thing. It's kind of like, it should work. It should work. Well, uh, I have to
1: tell you, man, not to cut you off, but that, that scene when they have the towns meeting... And they grab all the former naval officers and everyone that they could possibly grab to be a part of it, to hear out their deal in terms of what they were planning on doing. When they all come together at the end of that scene, it gave me goosebumps. It was it was awesome. It was like it was so fucking just it felt like a huge society coming together to fight for the same purpose yeah yeah common thread yeah, absolutely and i and i absolutely loved it and and of course we know we know they're saying like this thing is not 100 percent like foolproof we don't know if this is going to work but this is our only chance to stop this thing yeah and we're the only ones that can do it and of course a few people walk out but those that stay they're like this isn't a war this is something we have to do yep. We have to do this to survive. And I absolutely loved that aspect of the movie. Well, the, you know, as much as we, we love the, the destruction that Godzilla ensues, but, you know, we want these people to, to live and survive.
0: So the writing on, on this movie is just so incredible. So the first scene of the movie, you know, you're, you're left with our hero, uh, Kiyoshi, And the only other person that lived off of Udo Island was Mr. Tachibana.
1: Yeah, Tachibana, who comes
0: back. Who he has Um, to, he knows that, well, we need a specific plane that has specific capabilities in order for me to pull this off if we're going to try to defeat Godzilla. So Tachibana blames Kiyochi for all the men's death on the island because he never took the shot. So Kiyochi knew the only way to get uh, Mr. Tachibana to come. To where uh, they live, and fix the plane the way that it needed to be fixed fixes. If he insulted him, <laughs> I, he this him I love. This he sent him. He sent him thirty <laughs> letters, and all thirty letters said, "You're the reason all of those men died." To Mister Tachibana. So of course he's like, "Oh motherfucker, that was your. That was you're the reason." I, I'm,
1: gonna, I'm gonna. I'm gonna fuck you up yeah. as soon as I see you, which he does. He <laughs> it's does. Such a great. That scene. was his only way to yeah.
0: lure him to pitch the idea of like help us. Build this plane the way it needs to be built, so we can defeat Godzilla, and it and it works. And there's such emotional gravity there as well, because even though Kiyochi wants to live, which is the same reason he didn't want to be a Kamikaze pilot, it's the same reason he didn't take the shot. This is the 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 layers of the onion that this movie has. He and
1: at this point too, he he doesn't. Just to be clear, he doesn't know that Noriko.
0: Is alive. No, has no idea that Nuriko is alive. Spoiler <laughs> for the end of the movie. But uh he uh <laughs> even though he he didn't want to die in those two different scenarios, he has so much survivor's guilt over his parents being killed from Godzilla decimating his town to the men on Udo Island that got massacred by Godzilla because he never took the shot. So he's got this survivor guilt of like if I would have shot Godzilla when he was that size, would it have worked? Would it have killed him? And would that
1: have saved my family? And would that have saved my
0: family? So even though he he wants to live, he also feels like I shouldn't be alive. Like I'm I'm responsible and there's so much emotional core to this film that goes beyond anything that I expected from a giant monster movie. Uh, I loved the scenes with Tachibana and kiochi so 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 much, and when we start getting to this third and final act of this movie, and they're building this plane and they're devising this plan, and you know Kyoshi has this surrogate daughter that he's just like, "Fuck, I am gonna most likely have to go and die, even though now I do want to live for her." There's so like, and and right, being a right. father, you know. Like man, watching these scenes, it tugs on your heartstrings Ugh. so
1: hard, especially the way he leaves that note, and then it's it it's heart wrenching, dude. You connect with it on such a human level. You know now he understands. In order for this to work, I have to be the guy. I'm the only guy that can make this happen. Yep. You know when he when he's talking to Kenji Noda, who he worked with on the boat, who constructed this entire plan. He's like. I don't, you know, and they're all telling him you don't have to die, but he gets it into his head like I have to do this. This is my only way to redeem myself for myself, for my family to have honor in Japan. And then of course, you know, we'll get to what happens, but all of that like really connected with me on a on a super deep level yeah, like this same. character that just he had fear but now he finally overcame everything and he he wants to do whatever he possibly can humanly possible in order to make this happen of course he's got tachibana who he finally you know like you said he finally convinced to come help and that's like a her- hero moment like a very heroic moment yeah. when he comes in together and he walks in the door and he's like is this the plane like for me I was like oh man like i'm just now my first time introduced to these characters, but I feel like I know them. I'm like, whoa, you know, like you felt like they're your heroes. And so we get this final scene in this third act where of course Godzilla resurfaces and um, he doesn't necessarily go where they think he's going to go. So they have to do a second plan, but it's a very exciting sequence. It it all plays out perfectly, and it's super entertaining. Um, you know, we have him blowing shit up, and the two ships try to haul Godzilla to the surface, but they fail. Um, and then a fleet of tugboats. You know, one of the the workers, uh, the guys that didn't get to go to war, who wanted to go to war the entire yeah, that movie, that scene was that so ended funny up with Kyochi and all the other guys on on you know the, the mine gathering boat shows up and it was like a bunch of just regular citizens popping up in their tugboats like we're here to help and they end up assisting and they bring Godzilla to the surface. And now he's fucking mad.
0: He's I like kind of frozen prepared. he's like kind of frozen too because he got plummeted to the bottom of the ocean and it's like freezing. But cold he's, cold but down he's there. preparing
1: to destroy everyone though with this heat ray. Like he's like, I'm fucking ready dude. I'm gonna destroy everyone
0: and I love, like, I love real quick, uh, I love how he charged up his atomic breath ray, like every spike on his back, like, being, bzzz, bzzz, oh
1: dude, yeah, and again, bzzz, like, we had to bring that up in terms of his design and stuff too, I mean, we've never seen anything like that before, where like, all of his dorsal plates just, they, they, they come out of his back, like, they eject, like, they move like yeah, that. it was exciting, you know what I mean? It added a different element to the character where before usually it would just like, you'd see him glow up his tail and up his his dorsal plates and shit and then he would like, you know, he would do it. But in this movie, like, they went like, the, the, the sound design for that and the visual look to it was so exciting and it added suspense to every single yeah. moment where you saw that too. 100%. Um, so, of course, you know, we're at the end of the movie and... Spoiler alert <laughs> Kyochi flies into the mouth of Godzilla and we see a huge explosion and you're led to be upset and sad because you're like he he's gone. Akiko is without a father and a mother, and then you you see Godzilla's head is like decimated.
0: it's gone pile of goo
1: but but then. You see in the sky a parachute, and then of course you know we we do see a flashback scene where Tachibana like spoke oh. quietly to him and whispered and put in an ejector seat, which makes total sense because the plane they were using was like this new state of the art thing that hadn't been used yet; it was like a new prototype. So uh, then you're like, "Oh my god, my hero is alive!" Dude,
0: when Tachibana, I feel like this was the. Best emotional element of this entire movie when Tachibana, who blamed Kamiko for everything that's happened initially, he looked him in the eyes when he was explaining that he had made an ejection seat, uh, seat for the jet. And he looked him in the eyes and with all of his heart and all of his soul said, Live. Like, you don't have to die. Choose to live. Like, even though you blame yourself for all these things that have happened. It doesn't mean that you have to die. You deserve to live. Bro, so heavy. So heavy. Absolutely, again, was not prepared for the level of layers that this giant monster movie had. It was so emotionally heavy, and I'm I'm so thankful for the, uh, you know, the amazing writing in this movie.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean... Yamazaki absolutely knocked it out of the park. I mean, there's so much to say about this, but we will digress for now in terms of for length for the review. But I mean, the movie is, perfectly said earlier from you, Jeremy, it's an onion that you peel it back and there are layers and there's characters and there are things to say about politics and social injustice. And all of that put into this Little, you know, post World War II movie with Godzilla, and for me at least, and I said this in my original blurb, it's the best since the original. And since I've watched this, I need to see it one more time. This may be the best
0: Godzilla. What's movie. What's wild is I th- I think that this movie has a higher rating than the original Godzilla.
1: It It probably does. It probably does. More people are going to see it, which is great. And, of course, you know, in terms of when the movie was made and the technology and all that, I mean, the original's a classic. We wouldn't have what we have now today in terms of monster movies or Godzilla movies without it. But, you know, this movie just broke barriers. Uh, And I'm so excited to see it doing so well. And, of course, we have the ending of the movie, which is so heartfelt, where Kiyochi receives a telegram, heads to a hospital, and he finds a Kiko, um, or, or with Akiko, and he finds Noriko, and, you know, she actually survived. And as they embrace, you know, we realize by the end of the movie that there's this chunk of Godzilla flesh sinking into the ocean as like a post-credits type it's thing. It's kind of already starting it's to re- regenerate. It's, re- it's starting to regenerate at that point. So... You know, I would be 100% down, like, I'm all for all things Godzilla. I'll watch, you know, the MonsterVerse. I'll watch what Adam Wingard's doing with the new Godzilla Kong thing. I'll watch that. I'll watch this, too. If, you know, Toho's happy with what he's doing, I'm sure they are. They loved what he did with this so far. It's doing extremely well in terms of box office and fan reaction, and critically, massive as big as Godzilla himself. I'd love to see, you know, Yamazaki take on another one, but he has said himself, give me Star Wars, give me this, I'm ready for anything. So I'm just excited to see where he takes whatever he wants to take in terms of his career as a director and writer. The guy has got a future. He just made one of the best movies of the year and one of my favorite movies, so as we wrap things up, Jeremy, I think we know where we're going with this, but I gotta ask, are you gonna trash Godzilla Minus One or treasure
0: it? Treasure, treasure, treasure. Dude, this thing, uh, again, I, I had no expectations for it. I uh, wasn't planning on seeing it in theaters. Wasn't even necessarily going to watch it unless it was a convenience thing that happened. And it turned into, wow, okay, like people are really hyping this thing. Okay, they're saying that it's, it's, more in line with horror and then that Godzilla is terrifying. Well, that sounds intriguing and interesting to me. And now it is absolutely one of my favorite movies of the year without a doubt. So yeah, of course I'm going to treasure this thing.
1: I'm following lock and step with you. One of my favorites of the year, probably top five. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you're excited. We're going to be dropping our top movies of the year episode before the end of the year. Hopefully, if we can make it happen. And I'm sure that minus one will land on mine and Jeremy's list. But yeah, very likely loved this fucking movie. Go see it in theaters again. It's extending its theatrical run. If you haven't seen it, I'm sorry we spoiled it for you and you listened to the whole thing before that. But if you did see it and you listened, go see it again. I plan to if I can. I'm sure Jeremy would love to see it another time if he gets the opportunity. But thanks for listening. To the epic film guys podcast we love you if this is your first time if it's sure you know you've been a long time listener thank you so so much leave us a review on itunes or spotify it's even easier just leave us a star rating or check us out on social media at epic film guys on facebook twitter instagram and literally all the other fucking things that <laughs> we're on everywhere. But we're going to be busy this weekend. Jeremy's going to Steel City Con as of this. I can't oh, say why.
0: Yeah, I think we'll have some fun fun stories to talk about after this. Yeah, and I'm going to New
1: York City with the wife to go look at the Christmas trees and all that stuff. But as always, I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. We love you guys. Thank you so so much for listening and we always ask you to keep it. I Yeah!